Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Adam Conk in studio. How's it going, my man? It's going. Great to be with you. Great to be with all of our friends out there in radio land. That's right. Whether you're listening on the radio or on the podcast, great to be with you. Uh, good news is we're getting the show up on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, so we are on SoundCloud and Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iTunes, and, and now, now Spotify. Spotify. Do you listen to Spotify much? Is that no? I'm. <laughs> we have an account, a family account. Yeah. A lot of the music and things that we listen to are Spotify. I'm ashamed to say what we have because it sounds really weird, but it used to make more sense. So I need to explain it. Google had a music service. Like a platform. Like Spotify. Okay. Exactly. And I figured, look. Or like I, iTunes. Right. Sort of. But I, And I use a lot of Google things. So I'm like, okay, we'll subscribe to this. And they call it Google Music, which makes sense, right? But then for some weird reason, they, they shifted to YouTube Music. I don't know why. Okay. So now when people ask me that question, I have to answer them with a straight face and say, oh, I have YouTube music. There's also Amazon and music. I confused. didn't know that. But, yeah, I knew about uh, Amazon. Yeah. My, my wife accidentally signed up for it, and we were paying for it, <laughs> and we didn't know. So, <clears throat> Whoops. Anyway, great to be with you guys. Thanks for being a part of the show. So there's good news. And the other good news is that, well, really, in a lot of ways, a lot of good news is the so last week of Lent, really, yep. officially, we... Celebrate Palm Sunday this coming up Sunday, which is big deal. Like really, technically, for you being the the liturgical, <laughs> you know, sort of, you know, guy guy here, yeah, <laughs> that ends Lent, and then we begin Holy Week, which is in a sense its own thing, right? Yeah, and there's many times like that in the church's calendar of let's say an octave, eight days of something, seven days of something, right? And um, Holy Week is that last week that Jesus spent on earth. And so we commemorate that. We remember what he was doing at each moment. Uh, and then that gives way to an Easter octave. So Holy Week is followed by Easter week, which is, um, so this literally, literally is the holiest time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And it's also the time where grace is so present. You know, it, I've heard it described uh, beautifully as, you know, the, the barrier between heaven and earth is at its thinnest this week. Hmm. Explain uh, that for well, a second. Well, that, 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 you know, what, what God came to do in Christ was to bring heaven to earth, right? To bring us into the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, he tells us the kingdom of heaven is among you because he's among us. And he is that kingdom in person. But there's so much in the way. You know, this is one of the reasons John the Baptist ministry existed, that he would prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, and all the mountains would be made low and the valleys filled in to make a straight highway for the Lord. Because grace uh, is not a violent event. You know, God doesn't overtake the world with his kingdom through violence. It's an event of uh, surrender, of invitation, of discipleship. But grace is at its thickest. It's like a cloud all around us during Holy Week, meaning that this week that Christ literally died for our salvation, this week is so sacred and holy, this week that he rose from the dead, destroying death forever, that there's such a presence of God in this time, in this week, that it's like that barrier between heaven and earth is at its thinnest, where we're, we're able to be surrounded by it. Another way of thinking about it 
is that Holy Week is a pilgrimage of time. So we talk about pilgrimages of places, right? Like we go to a holy site. But Holy Week is a pilgrimage of time to go to a holy time hmm. together, the time that Jesus died, the time that Jesus rose. And we journey together with our family and friends. That's right. See, I told you Adam would know. I told you. <laughs> I told you he would know. Yeah, it is good. I mean, and, and in a sense, like it, it is it is in a pilgrimage. And a lot of times we want to skip over Holy Week and get to Easter, right? The anticipation, right, all through Lent. Like, I can't wait to break some of my fast. Like, honestly, like, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about Easter, and I'm like, I'm this Lent, like, has really given me a appreciation for, for, for like, Easter, the resurrection, and, and, and like, breaking these fasts. Um, you know, like, so I'm in this mindset. And, but I, I'm ready for the finish line, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Like, Holy Week, Palm, it begins with Palm Sunday where – you know, we, we, we enter into Jerusalem with Jesus, right? And then the passion through the Holy Week helps us to really enter into the the greatest time in history to mm-hmm. walk with Jesus, right? Uh, where he saved the world uh, from our sins. So we'll get more into that. But it is a crazy week. It's a, an important week. It's a holy week. It's sure awesome. Is. And speaking of that, uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. For real, though? You ever just... You ever just say, like, man, some people... You know, <laughs> you, you begin a lot of a lot of these segments with, have you ever... Have you ever... And, and usually, like, the majority of the answers for me is like, yeah, I probably have. I probably have. Just some people's children. <laughs> you know, like, people come up with all kind of creative ways to just do things they should not do. But right. anyway, so uh, a story out of Germany that's getting some attention. Okay. Um, published just a couple days ago. There's a man in Germany who was caught. Um, he received the COVID-19 vaccine 90 times. Holy. Nine zero. And he survived. And he's not dead. He's going to be yet. An incorruptible. <laughs> like when he dies, he's going to be... <laughs> Incorruptible. His body will just be like... Uh, yeah, nothing can kill him now. Yeah. But uh, the reason he did that was that he was selling his uh, cards. So you get these little cards the when you get vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. So he got, he got vaccinated 90 times and got caught selling these cards I wonder how much Sunday. he was selling them for. Because that would, to me, would make a big difference, whether or not I would think it was okay. <laughs> like if this was a good idea or not. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and so um you know that the infection rate apparently is is it's a little different than over here where we're we're kind of on the lower end now. I don't know, they're still dealing with um covid. With covid. It'd be crazy and, if he actually got covid after 90 shots. Yeah, that would be something. Um so I just I just couldn't believe somebody would think to do that. I mean, 90 now, times. I know kids in college and even back when I was in college and even today because I have a son in college is kids will sell plasma. Have you heard of this? You sell your plasma for money. Yep. Like uh, you get like $800, you go like nine times, a hundred bucks a time type thing. And you know, they, they take your blood out and they put it back in your body. And in the meantime, they circulate it and take your, your plasma out. And then they, they pay you make money. Yeah. I, I mean, so I don't know if you could do that 90 times. I don't either. know if there, I don't know the moral dilemma here. I know 
that the moral dilemma one with his own body, right? Like I don't yeah. know the harmful effects that it'll have on his own body. I have no idea. There, there's no research it, on what the long term effects of of one vaccine, much less ninety. Like I have no idea. <laughs> you know, but it's his body. Like to each his own. Like, but the the moral dilemma is like he illegally sold cards. Right. That's right? what's so, that's what's got him uh, in know. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, but I mean, he's, you know, an entrepreneur, obviously, I guess he's got some creative juices flowing to start a business. (laughs) Well, it just reminds me that we can be so creative about, I guess the Lord called this, um, you know, shrewd as serpents and talked about dishonest wealth and like the creativity people seem to have in this world for worldly things. Yeah. That's pretty creative. And he's also willing to risk a lot just for money. Right. You know, um, no, and it's true because, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of writing and I've kind of talked about it on the last few shows, but like, you know, when you, when you write a lot, like you just can't think about anything else. Like it's really hard to like stop your mind, you know? So, I mean, think about anything like you're working on, maybe a project or you're an architect or builder or designer or your website, whatever. Like a lot of times, like when you're, when you're in the process of creating something, it's hard for your mind to like, just not think about it and stop. Right. And so, you know, I'm in the process of writing this book. And so, like, that's all I can think about. Like, the research, the writing, the, yeah, blah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, googly goo. But one of the things I was writing about, and particularly on one of the saints and, and our vocation as men, so, the, the, you know, the book's really geared towards men, and uh, is we will put so much effort and work into hobbies or our career like we'll Mm -hmm. work like we'll you know literally like think how hard can i do this how hard can i work you know yada yada and a lot of times we don't put that same effort into our vocation Mm -hmm. like like you imagine like if we put the same effort into loving our wives and kids as we put into yada yada other things our careers our hobbies hmm and it really, it really makes me think. It's like, the, think of the energy this guy spent to create mm-hmm. this little business to get 90 COVID shots, right? <laughs> to put his body at harm's way or risk, not knowing the effects, because there's no way to know, right? Mm-hmm. And then to sell those, right, for profit and money. Like, if he would have just took all that time and energy to just do something else more productive in the world, like what he could have done. Yeah. I, and I don't know if he's married or has kids or you know, what his story is. I mean, imagine if you put all that effort to loving them better. And I'm saying all this because I got to look in the mirror at myself and say, it is the thing that I invest in in my life, the thing that's the eternal thing, the thing that's like heaven bound, which is my vocation. Is that the thing that I spend the most time, effort, and work in? Mm. I got to answer that. No, I mean, it's true. And all the wasted time that we spend. Um, and I and I don't always. Like, I know I fail at it sometimes, certainly. Yeah. Like, I know that there's days I fall short. But at the end of the day, like, I think, like, going face-to-face with the Lord, like, one of the questions he's going to ask is, like, how would you love your wife and kids? Like, how faithful were you? How much effort did you – like, that's, that's – my call to sainthood mm-hmm. and holiness is through the, through the faces and the eyes of my own – my family the the four walls of my house like that's it starts there mm-hmm. like I can't go work and be a Christian out there or 
start a men's group or do a Bible study if I'm not like first doing it in my own home. I don't know. Like I've been really, you could tell my mind's like all over the place because this is what I'm writing. No, about. it's true. And I think a lot of us try to side hustle the Lord, like this man with the COVID shot, where instead of focusing on that core reality of my wife and kids and my immediate coworkers and like the main relationships of my life, we are wanting to just go hustle the kingdom a bit. Like, hmm. okay, I'll do all kind of other things other than that that are beneficial to the kingdom or, you know, and, um, it doesn't work, you know, like that's not how grace works. It's not how life works. It's not a, the Lord doesn't need us to build the kingdom. The Lord invites us to be faithful to him right. and be faithful to the vocation he's called us to. And then in that fidelity, he will build the kingdom. But we are not asked to go on the street and hustle Jesus. We're asked to be faithful to the Lord day in and day out, which starts, like Mother Teresa said, charity begins at home. It starts with those fundamental vocations God has called us to. And if we, if we don't have those correct, everything else is just a distraction. Yeah, when, when I signed up to get married, whether I knew it or not, in the sacrament, like there, there's no exit strategy. There's no back door. There's no like, you know, emergency exit. Like it's something that the Lord asks us to be all in for. And my path to heaven is through my marriage. It, it is, that is like, that is my pathway, you know, whether I like it or not, whether it's hard or not, whether I want to do it or not, like that's the reality, like the love between man and woman and, and the way God designed uh, to bring us in unity with each other and him in one flesh. Like, like we are on a path to heaven together. And one of the, you know, I've been reading a lot about saints, Louis Martin and mm. Zelie. Yeah. Who were married. They're the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux, who is a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. So they had nine kids, dude. Yeah. Okay. Five survived. Of the five that survived, all, all, girls they all went to the convent it's pretty good okay like they they bat in a thousand hello <laughs> and look not that the convent's better than if they would have chosen to get married so like you know like but what i'm saying is like that their kids knew their vocation to holiness right right, right. however their vocation to holiness was marriage mm -hmm. and they modeled that so well that it taught their kids how to have a vocation to holiness, right? So mm -hmm. marriage and, you know, the, the religious life go hand in hand. And, and you know, they each thought, Zelie and uh, Louis thought that they would, they would be religious themselves. Like they had both discerned and then didn't, you know, enter into the religious life and then met each other and had this beautiful, holy marriage that brought life into the world. And yet it was through their marriage. You did, did you know this? You probably did because you're a weird Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Even weirder than me. Yeah, I am weirder than you. That I'll they were it. the first married saints in history to be canonized as a couple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Together, like as a, yeah. as, a, as a couple. Which to me just shows the beauty of what a marriage should like look like. And then in return, as I read about them, I look in the mirror and say, man, I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I'm not there yet. No. And, you know, the the beauty of St. Louis and St. Zaley Martin and their family was that they kept things 
simple enough to be able to focus on what was most important all the time. And I think today, which is not unlike their time at all, but I think one of our main problems with living that same life is there's just so much to do. But the problem is like the more we do the much, there's more. It's kind of like this guy with the 90 shots. It's like five wasn't enough, 10 wasn't enough. As soon as we get into the rat race of things or like in the life is going to be about a lot of things, it's not like we hit a limit where we say, oh, now life is full enough. How many of us are complaining about how full our schedule is, how hectic everything is? I am. I was before the show. (laughs) Me too. And somehow... Um, in a very similar environment, in a modern world, th- this couple was able to live a life that was simple, you know, that they weren't in the rat race. And that is one of the victories we should all look to them for because they both had to work, mm. you know, they both, they did a lot of the things you and I do, but somehow they kept first things first. They did do that. They lived vocation in the lowercase V of work. You know, she was a lace maker. He was a watchmaker eventually her business grew like think about this as a as a leader woman in in the mid 1800s and and then he ran her business like uh financially you know like and they so they worked they they raised kids they were middle class family uh pursuing god and you know in the simplicity is like as we complicate things like i needed to like boil it down to the very simple fact that my daily vocation and my path to heaven has very, very little to do with the work that I do mm-hmm. and everything to do with the way I love my wife and children. Mm-hmm. Like if I do one thing today, that's great. It's that, nothing else. And and that has to sink in. It has to resonate with me more, right? Because I can complicate, like you were saying, like we, we, can, we can overbook and complicate things. And at the end of the day, I say, is what, what is like, what is... The essential thing that I do today, obviously, like personally love Jesus, pray, like live my life for him. But the essential thing that I do in response to that love is to love my family. I don't know. It's a lot. Holy Week is going to challenge me. I might not survive. <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope we all die and get raised again on Easter Sunday. Well, wouldn't that be a new people, Adam Conk? Wouldn't that? If only I could go in a Good Friday and come out Easter Sunday a different person. That would be awesome. That's the goal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George Deacon, Adam Conk in studio here we are rocking and rolling having a great time show <laughs> almost 200 we're now on spotify seven the technology is getting great i mean we are just you know longevity is our game adam that's our game you're right you know we've just <laughs> we put all our chips on that lasted <laughs> I, I talked to a new podcaster they've been doing it for about a year and i said how's the show going he's like well we just kind of like haven't been getting around to recording i was like you know what you gotta 
you got to just keep trucking. You young whippersnappers. You young, we've been doing this forever. <laughs> we walked to the studio in the snow. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we're like at show, like close to 200. 197? Yeah, 197. We're going to hit 200 in the Easter season. Yeah, so welcome to the show, whether you're listening on the radio, where we record here in South Louisiana, Lafayette, KLFT Radio, or on the podcast, wherever you're listening, iTunes, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, and now Spotify. Spotify. Yes. (laughs) iTunes. Okay, so it is Holy Week. Mm -hmm. Lent is a time of fasting and Mm -hmm. penance and prayer and almsgiving. Mm -hmm. Try to do all those things. I fail at most of them, but A for effort, Adam, (laughs) and A for Adam, right? (laughs) Um, so anyway, I do have, I have today a weird Catholic stuff. What? Paul, you're kidding me. You made that up. You made that up. Nope. There's literally no way that's true. I'm telling you. I can't believe you're saying this. Nope. You Catholics are weird. 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 Catholics. Stop. Okay, so... A lot of people know about this. I know, and I haven't read about because it it's just not one of the things I'm into. Maybe I should be, um, but I figured with Lent, Holy Week, which obviously Holy Week, we we enter into the Triduum, right? The the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing. We start on Palm Sunday, which is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, and it's really on Palm Sunday that we hear the gospel readings of the crucifixion, right? And mm-hmm. it's the long reading where everybody sighs and like, I cannot believe we're here this long, right? <laughs> Am I right around yeah. that? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. So I thought this week I'd look up weird Catholic stuff that kind of related to more of like a deeper fasting or penance. Sort of what they would call mortification. Oh boy, this, yeah. could, get, this could get interesting. <laughs> this could get hairy. <laughs> Speaking of Harry, have you heard of, ever heard of a hair shirt? I have. Okay. I've never worn one, though. You haven't? No. Now, you are a hairy guy. So you yeah, have a I always have a hair shirt. And, but you look like you have a hair shirt. So a hair shirt is a rough cloth made of goat's hair originally, and it's worn in the form of a shirt or as a girdle around the loins. Hello. <laughs> By way of mortification and penance. The Latin name is said to be derived from Cecilia. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this cloth was made, but the the thing itself was probably known and used long before it was time, like back in the day of like John the Baptist, who mm-hmm. you know, uh, as we hear about. So, anyway, yeah, that's wild. And I think the most recent modern famous example, supposedly Pope John the Twenty Third, who's a saint, Saint John Twenty Third, yeah, under his papal cassocks would often wear a hair shirt yeah so this hair shirt like it it's extremely uncomfortable made of goat's Mm -hmm. hair it's to it's to it's a sign of mortification with you know uh to to mortify to like kind of enter into like just uncomfortability and and this feeling of like i don't know how would you describe it more well just self-denial constantly yeah constantly a lack of comfort i mean me i i can't take a tag on my t-shirt you yeah, know, like in the back. I got to rip that thing off. Well, I go tagless t-shirts. 
That's a good plan. Yeah. yeah. When I can, I go tagless. Tagless t-shirts. But if it comes tagged, I make it tagged. Tagless underwear, tagless, just tags. No, no tags. tags allowed. However, you know, imagine a thousand tags. That is mortification. Correct. So a hair shirt, mm-hmm. people would use these, and you're not supposed to tell people you have them on, so you don't wear them right. on the outside. It's sort of like mortification. It's like your face, your countenance just acts like everything's fine, and inside it's just bothering the heck out of you. As a reminder, really, not only of self-sacrifice, but the passion that Jesus went through, like to mm-hmm. unite like the suffering with Jesus, which mm-hmm. is, you know, in Holy Week, which is what we, we look at. We kind of want to skip over the crucifixion, crucifixion and and the whole account because it's just so gory it's horrible to talk about and think about but yet holy week calls us to enter in and walk with jesus through it so that we understand how powerful also the resurrection is because Mm -hmm. without the cross there is no resurrection and vice versa right yeah and a lot of these mortifications are sufferings that just happen you know we think of jesus in these moments so like if like if I'm wearing a hair shirt, which I never have, but if I was, I can think about Jesus being scourged at the pillar. And the amazing thing about that is that Jesus was thinking of me at the scourging of the pillar. Mm-hmm. Jesus was thinking of me on the cross. And so when I come to think of him in these moments, he was thinking of me in these moments. And that's why that, the grace of the moment is so powerful. So a lot of saints wore hair shirts. Yeah. A lot of saints were into mortification. Oh, yeah. Yeah, suffering. You know, I, I don't know fully. We Maybe we could bring a mortification expert onto the show. Of a, like, a mortifist? A, a mor- <laughs> mortotheology. Mortology. Mortologist. Mortologist. <laughs> of just like how, how much is too much, how much is not enough when it comes mm-hmm. to mortification. Because it could be one of those things that you, you can go overboard with, right? Oh, yeah, uh, totally. And most folks today, and by folks I mean like the church – pastorally, their message is don't do anything like that without a spiritual director. So mm-hmm. if, if you think the Lord is calling you to do anything physically painful or um, constant, like some people like to put rocks in their shoes and stuff like that, don't do anything like that without a spiritual director mm-hmm. who, who can guide you in that process because it can become dangerous. It could also feed something in us that's actually not good. You know, as a kid, we had penny loafers. We'd put pennies in our shoes. As a mortification? But on top. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've never put rocks in my shoes. I did try that for a little bit. I, I would mm-hmm. go barefooted. So so if you would could do some type of mortification and get away with it, and no <laughs> one would know you were doing it, what would it be? Well, I, I tried the rock thing. Because rocks, I would shoes. be like, I, I, I literally, my face would just grunt. I was the, able to get get away with that for a little while. But, you know, when I went to my spiritual director about it. Sand in my pants. I would go <laughs> nuts. He actually discouraged me from doing anything like that because he said, you know, j- the modern man today, just to get on the computer, requires many acts of self-denial and not sinning, right? Like, like his point was all the things we could be looking at on the internet or on the whatever, there's a thousand times a day that modern man has to deny his urges, deny his hmm. concupiscence. And he was saying it's just a lot different than it was. But does he? Some years ago. Well, and that's true. There are a lot more distractions. But I, I, I would say this in a sense of like, okay, say you wear a scapular, okay, mm-hmm. which reminds me like I should wear one. Mm-hmm. Scapular is made of a cloth. Like you could fill it in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
and say like, or, or say you had a hair shirt on or a scapula, whatever. But that is a reminder, maybe when you're like tempted to look at something or get online or overindulge, okay, in anything. Yeah. And and that little scrape on your chest or with the scapula or whatever is like a, a small little mortification of like, oh, I need to stop. Like I need yeah. to, I need to bring it back. You know, so I, I can true. get where like, you know, this is why we fast. So like to kind of springboard off of this is like, this is why we fast. Like, you know, I'm going to drink, you know, you just water and black coffee and I'm going to hate it. <laughs> but, you know, when I drink that, it's going to remind me of what I'm praying about, like what mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. It's going to reorient me. It's going to refocus me. Yeah. And so like in a healthy way, like mortification is just, a, it, it is a reorienting of our eyes and heart to Jesus. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be anything other than like drawing us closer to Jesus. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you mentioned the idea of it orders us. I think there's something profound to think about that because beauty does the same thing. Like if we have an encounter of something we really enjoy and delight in, it orders us too. So like when we hear the beautiful music, um, see the beautiful painting, sunset, whatever, experiences of beauty have that same effect, but in a delightful way. And I'm I'm just reminded of Isaiah's prophecy about our Lord on the cross. Like there was no comeliness or beauty or nothing that would attract us to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But by his stripes we are healed. And so this idea that the penances, the mortifications, you're right, they do order us, not in a delightful way necessarily, but in a way that's an experience of the cross because the cross orders the world, the cross orders human history, and it's not beautiful, it's not comely, it's not unless you see it with the eyes of faith and you see the cross as a sign of God's love for us, that he would give his only son then there is so much beauty there. Hmm. And the penances we do should be beautiful in the sense of... uh, Not easy. Not easy and not delightful. And I would say if like a a fasting or penance or a mortification does not reorient you or focus you on Jesus, then you should probably stop. Yeah. Okay, now, look, I'm not your spiritual director, but I would say like as you talked about like spiritual directors or people kind of helping you discern those things, you know, we mentioned the first segment about... St. Louis Martin and mm-hmm. Zaley, right? This beautiful married couple who uh, are the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. And I think one of the other daughters is up for beatification. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, her cause, I think more than one has been started, but uh, Celine, who is... Not Dion. No, not Celine Dion. <laughs> Celine Martin. Right. Who, uh, I'm just trying to clarify that. <laughs> was um, older than Therese, but waited with her dad. So... Of course, Louis Martin, he, he died older. Zaley died, died younger. Mm-hmm. Therese was, what, nine or younger? Yeah, she died um, of cancer. Breast and cancer, And then he yeah. was a, a widower and, and just he lived, lived a while. faithfully. He died at like 71. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Therese was the youngest, and she wanted to go to Carmel at a young age. And so Celine... Um, not Dion. Not Dion. <laughs> Celine Martin uh, agreed to let Therese go, even though she wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And Celine stayed... Even though she with was older, dad. with her dad till he died, then she entered Carmel after that. That's beautiful. And um, anyway, her, her cause is open. So weird fact about the couple, you know, they were, what, what I love about this, and I think it speaks well for, for single folks too, is that they were living a holy vocation as single people before they met. 
That's right. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. They were just and and they weren't like super concerned about like, oh, let me. F- I need to find someone, and you know, I, I'm defined by like, you. Know, they they just knew that their definition of their life was divine filiation. Their sons and living for for God, you know, and then their paths just crossed. They met and and the Lord like told them like get married like the, mm-hmm. and so they entered into marriage knowing that like hey this is a sacrament this is holy so much so that they abstained from any sexual activity for the first 10 months of their marriage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like just like hey like we love each other but like um let's not consummate the marriage right and and so that's just what they felt like the lord was calling them to do however like through spiritual direction of a priest a priest encouraged them to consummate the marriage out of love and that their greatest act of holiness in their marriage was to raise holy kids. Yeah. And that's what they did. They yeah. had nine kids. They literally did. They literally <laughs> did that. Like they, so they took that to, with great intention. And that's the thing about their vocation was it was lived with great intention. It wasn't just like, you know, sort of the shotgun approach. It was a very laser focused approach. Did mm-hmm. they have fun? Yes. Did they work? Did they have joy? Did they suffer? All those things. Was it difficult? Yes. But they intended to love each other as Jesus would and to love their kids. Wh- why do I why do I say all that? Because they had ten months of mortification, of fasting, mm-hmm. like from from something that God created very good, mm-hmm. and yet they rerouted that and reoriented that into great love to then conceive nine kids and like raise this family. And they knew it because God had told them, like they were so faithful to God that they knew this is what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Reorienting, reorienting, I think is a key phrase there because you're right. When they were single, they had both generously committed themselves to holiness and nothing, you know, nothing short of that. And they were giving themselves completely to God, wanting to enter the convent, wanting to enter the monastery. Mm Mm-hmm. That generosity was redirected in their meeting of each other, in which God made it known that they were supposed to be married. So, like, they were so committed to to the religious life, to um, to this path, even though other communities like discerned them out. But when they met each other, God had to make it obvious that that's what He wanted. So, as like a okay, well, we'll do that, but we still want to be so generous that we're going to live a Josephite marriage. Like, we're not going to have relations. We're not. And then God had to redirect that to say, well, no, be generous in raising kids and making them holy, like you said. And it wasn't easy. Um, you know, Leone, uh, one of the girls, was was the troubled kid, quote unquote, like gave them a lot of trouble. Like you. Like me and my family. Yeah. And uh, But you know what? She became a sister too, eventually. Mm-hmm. It just it just was a different order, which is funny to me. Like four of them became Carmelite. She became a visitation. She's like, I'm doing my own <laughs> She's thing. She's the black sheep. Literally, it was a yeah. black habit versus a brown habit. <laughs> yeah, but holy nonetheless. But, but, but the thing is, you become holy either with the child that has, you know, the very responsible one who, who does all the right things, like their oldest daughter, Marie, or the child that's very sick and you don't know what's going to happen. She's very sensitive and like moody. And that was Therese. Or the child that just doesn't seem to listen or get it. And I don't know what will become of this child, which was Leone. Or the, the sweetheart who just loves her parents, Celine. Like they had the gamut of parenthood in their life. Absolutely, because every child is different. But the generosity they learned from each other in their mm-hmm. marriage and committed to prepared them to be generous to each child. Yes. Yes. 
and to the point where, you know, discernment can change, and it did for them. And so I think it's important when we make major decisions that we do have people speak into our life, a spiritual director, counselor, you know, mentors, mm-hmm. things like that. And and think about that advice from that priest, that spiritual advice. It drastically changed the course of their life and yeah. history. Like we're talking about St. Man, Therese. Man, that's a great point, yeah. Because they had the humility to talk to someone about their decision. Someone who is clearly not as holy as they are, yet God used them yeah. to help direct them. Right, and... It's important for us to know that discernment and decisions change, not big ones like, I don't need to discern now whether I should be married, already am, right? right that right. decision's made for me. But how I live out that marriage could change. Not so much pursuing God and holiness, but like maybe like there's things I need to do differently or change, or maybe we need to, you know, shift gears or move houses, like change schools. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like if we're just stuck in our ways, then, then God can't move us and, uh, and and mold us and shape us into into what He wants us to do. You know. Yeah, and I mean, full circle. That's that's the point of those penances and those mortifications is that they can make us unstuck from our ways, especially if it's for Lent. And you know, for a lot of folks, like like this, these last days of Lent, entering to Holy Week, should be times of more intense penance, and. That doesn't mean that we don't enjoy Holy Week. I love Holy Week. I mean, I look forward to it every year. It's a beautiful time. So much grace, so much... And, and you can simplify your life during Holy Week, and you should. All of us should. We should We should intentionally make every evening not busy hmm. on purpose. Right. So that just becomes simple and, and easy to live this Holy Week. But at the same time, it should be time marked by self-denial in some kind of serious way. Um, exactly because it would shake us up and discover this new life the Lord wants to give us in his resurrection. Right. No, absolutely. So anyway, uh, I don't know. Like, as I kind of think about, you know, Palm Sunday and Holy Week, um, you know, I I guess a good question for all of us and kind of a a reorientation is like, what what does God want to do in your your life or your spiritual life or a spiritual awakening on this pilgrimage of Holy Week. Yeah. You know, that, that is, that is an addition to, to your Lent. Like the Lent's coming to a close, you're fasting, like, you, you know, where is the, where's the conversion, the change, mm-hmm. you know, like, and the difference. I don't know. Like I, I, I think for me, I need to be intentional about Holy Week. I need mm-hmm. to be a little bit more intentional than I have in the past. Yeah. Well, most folks have been on a pilgrimage that are listening, I would guess, some kind of experience where you go to a holy site. And if you went with someone who was leading you there, like in a group or some kind of led process, if they knew what they were doing, they asked you this question before you got there, maybe on the bus or the plane or before you left your house. But the question was, what do you need from this trip? What are you what are you looking for? You know? Right. And now that you know the answer, because nine times out of ten, the best things about pilgrimages or retreats or any experience like that, we had no idea that's what God wanted to do. But it's just like the Lord who asked the blind man, you know, what do you want from me? Or or the crippled man, do you want to be healed? This sense of I'm looking forward to something hmm. puts us attuned to what God is going to do. Hmm. 
And if you just go through Holy Week without that question of like, you know, what do you want God to do for you? What are you looking for out of Holy Week? Then we're not paying attention really. We're, we're doing it, but we're just kind of experiencing a ritual instead of looking for that conversion you were just talking about. Because if God could change hearts in a weekend on a lot of retreats, and he does, mm. and God could change hearts for a pilgrimage to Rome or Mexico City, which he does, why can't he change hearts this Holy Week in our parish, you know, in our family? Like, why can't God show up and change me just as profoundly? If I'm expecting it to happen, if I'm looking for it, he can't, you know? Yeah, and if my discernment for this Holy Week is the same discernment I had last year's or the years before, that's not that's not good. Right. You know, I'm just kind of stuck, like, Holy Week's Holy Week. I'll just go through the motions. Right. And, and I've done that before. I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And, but maybe I, I need to wake up and, like, yeah, you know, like, hello, right? Be more intentional about Holy Week more than because I have a tendency to like, dude, let's just get to Easter. Like I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking resurrection. I'm thinking joy. I'm thinking brisket. Brisket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you not like am I the oh, only yeah. one? No, I I think of brisket. You know, uh, rice dressing. Like, yeah. Like I'm thinking all those things, and and it can it can move me to skip over the importance of the conversion that God wants me to have during Holy Week. Yeah. And, you know, the hardest thing for me, and as a deacon, it's interesting because, you know, I proclaim the gospel almost every day to the church, which is a very humbling experience. But I literally say the words that Jesus said every day, just about to the church. And when the time comes to read this passion, because that's the only time we read the passion. We don't read it year round. I just, I just pray that the Lord allows me to see it with like eyes and a heart that's open and not just going through another routine, another service, because when there's so much to do all the time, it's so easy to get just in that rhythm. Hmm. But anyway, so I, I, that's my prayer this Holy Week, because I can, I can enter into it. You know, there's this old prayer uh, for priests that they say before Mass, and a lot of them still do it, but it's it's just, you know, fell out of use, but um, the prayer is, Lord, help me to celebrate this Holy Mass as if it was my first Mass, my last Mass, my only Mass. Hmm. And that's it. That's the prayer. Very simple. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's my prayer this Holy Week, that I would celebrate as if it's my first, last, and only. Hmm. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity Health 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for tuning in on the podcast or on the radio. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Show 
4,597. Dedicated it. to Celine, not Dion. Not Dion. Although Celine Dion's great. She's got a beautiful voice. But well, what's funny is the one kid we didn't mention, Pauline, was uh, that was the one Therese called Mama. She mm. was the second mom to uh, to Therese after her mom died, obviously. Gotcha. But I just realized we didn't mention her, so I want to give a shout out to the other whole. I week. knew you would know more about this stuff <laughs> than me. Well, you're touching on something. I went through. I mean, I, my research is really done on you know St. Louis Martin because right. I'm, I'm using him as a model for manhood. And as I dug deep, it was like you cannot separate his sainthood from his vocation. Like it, it was, it's literally impossible right. to do. Which, by the way. Is how it should be, yeah. Which is beautiful. That that uh, you know you you can't separate his life outside the lenses of looking through through his vocation, his wife and kids. Like so, that was exactly you know what was apparent as I was creating this chapter. So anyway, no, exactly. I digress. Digress. So, okay, so you are, by the way, an ordained clergy. You're a deacon. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been almost two years. Yeah. Okay, so will this be your second Holy Week to celebrate, uh, or third? Yeah, you're right, second. Mm-hmm. Second? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, of all the Holy Week services, you know, the you know Holy Thursday, Good Friday, you know, mm. the, the Triduum, mm-hmm. okay? And let's just add the quad into there. Let's go Palm Sunday, and then the along quad. the week, <laughs> we're going to go to the quad, the, the, the mm-hmm. quad. Okay, what... Do you have a favorite to to serve? Okay, so, oh, so not like yeah. to be a part, so like to to serve at. Like, well, okay, from I, the liturgical. I think side. I think it'll hit me at different points. Last year, I remember very vividly um, Holy Thursday night. Okay, so we have Mass of the Lord's Supper, and I happened to be serving. Holy Thursday at at the cathedral, which had many clerics at it. So we had the bishop, we had several priests and um, a deacon with me. And anyway, and so I, I remember very vividly that when we ended, and it was at the moment where our Lord went into the garden with his disciples, with his apostles to pray. So like left the supper, hmm. and we were processing around the church with the Blessed Sacrament. And I looked next to me, and I saw these these ordained men, and I, just, I was just rem- reminded of the apostles, you know, so like, Jesus is there leading the way just like he was then. And then we have these apostles gather around them. And then I realize I'm one of these people, hmm. you know, like as an ordained person, um, I'm not an, I'm not a bishop, obviously like the apostles were, but in the sense of, you know, among that band of apostles that went with Jesus, not only to his prayer, but to his, to his, his, his ministry. And this is what ordained people do. We're configured to Christ to, follow Christ into the ministry, follow Christ where he leads us. So I remember very being very moved by that. And of course, there were other moments. I love the Easter Vigil. It's just that year, I think that was the most special moment for me. It was a little moment of grace. Hmm. I don't know what it will be this year. I mean, um, I'm at a different parish now, and uh, but I was very grateful for that. And it is very humbling um, as an ordained person to share in Christ's ministry in a public way like that, you know? Hmm. As a layman... I did a lot of ministry, but it's definitely a different experience, you know? Yeah, that's what I was asking, because yeah. you have a different seat than I do, right? And a lot of people, so you yeah. get to see it from a different standpoint. You know, not that, you know, you're, call, you're called to holiness more than I am. Like, we're both called to holiness in our vocations, right? Yeah. You're married, too, but you're oh, yeah. so ordained. But 
you know, which was, you know, interesting if you take, you know, Martin and Zaley is that marriage wasn't like a second option for them. It wasn't like, oh, you know, this is like a secondary option for you. Get married, right? Because mm-hmm. you couldn't get into the convent or the monastery. They each had like just little hiccups to not get in. Right. You know, right. Zaley had like some health issues, mm-hmm. which obviously didn't prevent her from like, you know, having kids and getting Lots married of kids, and, yeah. and working. Like she was like successful, you know, worker. Mm-hmm. And Louis couldn't learn Latin, <laughs> which is me, FYI. Right. Yeah. Like he, like he couldn't, like he wasn't good enough at Latin in Latin to get accepted, but yet he was a trained, you know, watchmaker started his own business. So he's obviously highly intelligent, skilled worker. Mm-hmm. They both had these small little things that kept them from getting into the, the religious life. But God knew all along, like he had ordained them to, 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 for their lives to like intersect, you know, to the mm-hmm. point where like he, he was just walking along, crossing a bridge and Zaley saw him and like the Lord just spoke to her. It was like, exactly. This is the guy for you. And you know, like, like how, how close to Jesus do you need to be? I like to hear that. <laughs> but it, so it was like marriage wasn't like this secondary option of like, Oh, you know, take the less holier route, you know, in a sense of like their marriage was the place that God called them to be, to live out and to be holy in that. Right. Yeah, and we need that. You know, it's it's interesting what God did in France in that century because with the French Revolution and the, I mean, y'all, tens of thousands of priests were killed or exiled in France hmm. during this time. The the Notre Dame, that beautiful church that burned down a few years ago, became literally filled with prostitutes and and gypsies, hmm. um, desecrating the altar, desecrating the like it was awful hmm. and. The one, the priest that didn't get killed or exiled just left the priesthood. That was their option. Like so many of them. And so what did God do in that century to, to revitalize the priesthood? He, he sent John Vianney, you know, the perfect parish priest. Hmm. And today, I mean, you know, Z- Louis and Zaylee were uh, canonized by Pope Benedict in a time where the family is just being decimated, hmm. you know, and what it means to be family, what it means to be holy. And God raises up a family. Now, they have they have matched the record of number of saints in a family. By the way, really? Do you know who that was set no, by? No, but this this could have been our weird it's Catholic kind of a trick stuff question segment. But, but the Holy Family, All right? So you got Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Okay, three holy folk. Well, they've they've got three canonized saints in their family, the mm-hmm. Martins. Hey, so they get a fourth. They're going to break the record. For <laughs> is there another record out there in a sense of like family, multiple people? I mean, we have Saint Monica and Saint Augustine. That's two. We have we have couples. We have parent and child. Right. Like like. Um, Is there another couple? Yeah. The, I, I mean, there's Saint Thomas More was. Married, I looked it up once. There's a. Uh, uh, was it? I think there's seven. I looked it up once. Okay. I think there's seven uh, married couples that both became saints, but not together. Like not that. together. And I don't think any of their kids are. So, no, it is remarkable what God has done with family life with the Martin family. Like, this is historically remarkable. 2,000 years of history remarkable to say, at this point in history, God gave us probably the holiest family since the holy family. You think Jesus is, like, holding up, like, the beatification of the, four, the fourth, the third daughter, the second daughter? Maybe. Because he's like, yeah, I just don't want to be beat. <laughs> 
I don't want it to go to their head. Um, <laughs> you think he's like, yeah, yeah, like, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, that would be crazy, four canonized saints in a family. But three is remarkable. And I guess what I'm, the point I'm making is let's not gloss over what God has done in the Martin family at a time where family needs that witness and that example, just like the priesthood had needed, needed John Vianney. Hmm. Because what John Vianney did, he restored people's faith in the priesthood so that people would become priests again and become good priests again. Without John Vianney, France would have been way worse off. Hmm. He helped rebuild the people. The family is the same way. The family, people aren't getting married right now, and they don't believe in marriage, and they don't believe this is going to work, and they don't believe in family life. And so the Martin family is the Vianney of families. I mean, it's, it's, it's what God has given us to reignite our hope in family life and in married life and, and hopefully inspire tons of holy families, many more St. Therese's. It's interesting how God raises up people in certain seasons and times of the church where it's needed, mm-hmm. right? St. Francis of Assisi during a time of the Reformation, like total you know, chaos, you know, you can trace back these saints and, and these are the ones we know about, like, right. Like there's a lot of people who just lived holy lives in their neighborhoods who will never know, right. That, that God raised up. But the reality is like for all of us, like we cannot look at St. Louis Martin and Zaley and say, Oh, that was just for them. Mm. That was just their call. They were just called to be holy saints in their marriage. I know. Right? Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's for all of us. And I say unfortunately because it's not hard, easy. It's hard. It's, mm-hmm. It takes work. It takes effort. And again, circling back around, like, m- maybe Holy Week is praying all of us for the grace, the grace to work as hard for Christ as the saints did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least as hard as that guy who got 90 COVID shots to I mean, make if money. you're going to put effort in the 90 <laughs> shots, dude, I wouldn't put 90 shots of bourbon in my body or one, but like, think about that. Like yeah. 90. Yeah. I, I don't, what would no, you like do 90 Lord, times to yourself? Uh, pray a rosary 90 times. Mm, <laughs> maybe a little effort there. <laughs> maybe there's more fruits from that. Well, like the Lord said, I mean, what good is that if you lose your soul, if you lose your life? And that's, the saints are just so simple because they under, they get it. They get what should be very simple. The only thing worth, the only thing that makes life worth living is every breath is for Jesus. Hmm. It's so simple. Dude, I, the last thing I need to be doing is writing this book because I'm telling you, it's convicting me. Well, it sounds like it's what you need to be doing. It is. No, and yeah. only, I can only write about things that like break my heart. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm passionate about. But at the same time, like if I total transparency, man, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm writing a book that I haven't arrived at yet. Yeah. Because these saints are like inspiring, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I guess, look, if I would be like, look, I'm there, dude. <laughs> I am there. That me, would be a problem. Me and Louis, we get it. We're on the same plane. But I'm not, and I know mm. it, and because I can look, I, I can look at these saints and say, I'm just not there yet. Mm. And you know, it's beautiful because the church has given us obviously Jesus, the Holy Family, but all these models of saints to help us to know how to live life. Like we're yeah. not living this life alone. Like we don't have to be like, so how do we do this? How yeah. did they do it? Like we can look at these saints and say, how did they do it? 
and you know, talk to them about it. You know, I, I remember my middle name is Lewis and, uh, you look like a Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and I when I, I was, was, when I was born, Louis Mortan was not beatified or right. anything or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I'd started to develop a devotion to him after his beatification and Zaylee. I mean, I always regard them as holy once I find out about St. Therese and her family. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I remember visiting uh, my home parish where I was baptized in St. Peter's in Caracrow. And on the baptismal font, it has a, has a plate dedicated by, donated by, Lewis Martin and family. Mm. A different Lewis Martin, obviously. That's crazy. Because that church was built uh, mm. around the same time they, they were alive, obviously. But it hit me like, oh man, God knew what I needed, and so like my middle name, hmm. like that, he's one of my patrons, he's one of my Lewises, if not the one. And uh, anyway, so God knows what He's doing. He connects us with these people, and they're not dead. I mean, Lewis and Zaylee are holier now than they were on Earth, and they're more active now than they were on Earth in our lives. They can. It's not just their family they can make holy; they can make my family You're holy. Weird. You're a weird Catholic. I am a weird Catholic. <laughs> anyway. But I believe in this stuff. Absolutely. You do too. This is awesome. This was an awesome conversation. And everyone, have a great Palm Sunday and a great beginning to your Holy Week. We'll connect back with you next week during Holy Week if I can get Adam on my calendar. Because <laughs> he's a busy deacon. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening to the show, being a part of the radio show or the podcast. Feel free to share it. And thanks so much. And we'll be praying for you. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you.